Welcome to American Education FM, everybody. I'm Dr. Sean Brooks. Welcome back, everybody. Hope you had a nice weekend. Plenty to get to, plenty to talk about. Some rather interesting things, I think. I have to unfortunately revisit a few things that, uh, well, I would say a general topic that's not my favorite to bring up, all this tranny stuff, certainly school-related Title IX stuff, but it is a subject I want to spend some time on here in this episode. I've got some Simone Gold things, a few education-related stories also. I want to get, again, through this uh, Department of Education Title IX document, which is rather large, but certainly important. And then some jab-related things as well. And then I want to round it out by uh, making a few comments on a future guest, which hopefully I can have on the show here and talk about their experience regarding all of these terroristic drills and bioweapon drills that apparently they, of course, ran through. And I, I read you that email in a previous episode, but they sent me a bunch of documents and then we were going back and forth on email. And again, hopefully I can just have them on to describe what it is that they experienced and what their entire take on the issue is. I think it's an interesting one, and potentially something that might play out here in the future, but we will see. Okay. First of all, I want to make a quick correction regarding that story of a local student who was arrested on terroristic threats. I think I made some comments. I said allegedly a thousand times because, of course, I I don't have all the details, but something about a potential relationship between him and a teacher. Apparently, that wasn't true. Um, There was just apparently a science teacher who would listen to this student on a regular basis complain about a number of things and Apparently, the student looked up to the teacher and, and viewed the teacher as, as being a bit of a mentor or something along those lines. Either way, I don't think it's related to any of this necessarily, but this was just sent my way, and I want to read this very quickly. This, had, this specifically had to do with the student making the terroristic threats, and this is from the local county court office here, or courthouse, and this is the actual complaint. Uh, let's see. The student's name is Douglas Sizemore. He's been charged with a third-degree felony. Uh, Let's see. It says, threatened to commit or threatened to cause to be committed a specified offense with purpose to intimidate or coerce a civilian population or affect the conduct of any government by the threat or by the specified offense. And as a result of the threat, the person causes a reasonable expectation of fear or imminent commission to the specified offense. So here's specifically what I guess the uh, local police department dug up, and certainly this is brought to the attention by, I guess, the principal of the school building via students and students who were paying attention to his social media posts. It says, quote, a social media post of Douglas Sizemore that was transferred from a site known as Discord which was created last September of 2022, posting about September 16, 2022. Mr. Sizemore then took that post and transferred it from that Discord site to his personal Instagram page on March 26, 2023. In the social media post, there were pictures of inside the school that Mr. Sizemore took and then captioned the posts with phrases like, quote, I swear to God, I'm shooting this shit up, unquote. And another post that said, I'm going to shoot my school up at LMP, unquote. I don't know what that means. 
Another one, I'm going to kill you. We're going to kill. Then I commit murder. I love raping. What a nice backpack. Hopefully there's not a loaded AR inside. This caption was next to a picture of his personal backpack. And then another quote, room is pretty small. I bet I'll get them all, unquote. And there's kind of a cutoff line here that says, the social media post was viewed by another student who passed it on to the principal of the school, clearly. And there you go. So yeah, the person clearly needs help, without a doubt. Um, They've been arrested. I assume they're in county jail. And yeah, it'll be interesting to see, I think, what ultimately comes from this. You know, these kinds of cases, as you heard me bring up in the past, which, by the way, I even I even mistitled my own book that I read. The book where I wrote a, a, about a great deal of this was titled The Mental, Mental and Emotional State of School-Age Students, What Exists and What Teachers Can Do, or What Educators Can Do, rather. Um. Again, in that in that book, I specifically lay out that yes, it is society and all all of these societal pressures that exist. But the problem is, is that you have individuals who work in a building who aren't teaching them about these societal pressures and teaching them to ignore these societal pressures because they exist for the purpose of manipulation. I mean, it's it's Operation Mockingbird and MK Ultra all wrapped into one. The reason that you don't get that typically within an education environment is because the education environment itself is and has always been an MK Ultra Operation Mockingbird environment. So the very people who work within are the victims of it also. So you can't have, typically speaking, the victims of these operations helping someone within that same environment under those same programs. And those same brainwashing programs and ideologies, and expect you know for there to be a positive result here. Um, again, I'm I'm glad that a particular student pointed this out. There's no proof, of course, that the person was going to do anything because that's a very difficult thing to prove. Um, yeah. E- either way, I don't I don't know enough about the case. I don't know enough about the charges and everything. I know it's strange. Clearly, they again need serious help, and. Uh, Unfortunately, they've fallen for a lot of these societal traps that purposefully exist in order to brainwash people. And there you go. And like I said in the last episode, the school district's going to swoop in and play the hero and look, we're here to protect you. Don't worry about it. We're here to protect you. Keeping in mind that the people who should be arrested and the people who should have been locked up are all of the teachers and administrators for yelling at students and forcing masks on students and misinterpreting the word mandate and misinterpreting the law, and then, of course, encouraging the death shots. These are all things that that they should be in jail for. But remember, if everybody's doing it, then they're not guilty. Because apparently that's the society that we live in now, that if enough people are doing the wrong thing, regardless of how illegal that wrong thing is, they're not going to be held accountable because there's so many people doing it all at once. I think it's disgusting, but that's unfortunately something that's taking place. Another constant unfortunate thing that's taking place too, of course, is all of these alleged shootings. I say alleged because, ladies and gentlemen, I wasn't in Louisville. I I don't know 
if any of these are real or not. Two particular alleged shootings, one in a bank, of course, and then another in a community college. All, you know, both in, in Louisville, both on the same day or a day apart or whatever the hell it was. Either way, I'm not concerned with it. It, it almost does not matter. I know that every single one of these stories that makes the news and is perpetuated on the news with regularity is done for one reason, and it's for us to give up our guns. And that can never happen, because they're going to either manufacture these in reality and actually groom these shooters to go out and shoot people and then sensationalize the event for the purpose of taking our guns, or they will be 100% manufactured and they won't be real, like the Nashville shooting and Uvalde and Sandy Hook, and the list is frankly endless. But those are the kinds of things, again, that they're just going to, it's just going to be a continuous card that they play, that, uh, that the deep state and the enemies and the powers that be are, are going to keep playing in order for us to, uh, you know, feel guilty about owning a gun or even feel guilty to the point where a person never buys a gun. You know, that's an avenue that, that happens a lot too. I have family members who don't own guns. They just don't own them. And again, it's because they're like, well, they're, they're dangerous and, uh, you know, they're dangerous. They fail to understand that they're a tool. They're just a tool, like any other tool, but this is a tool for your own self-defense, in particular if you have children. These are important tools to own, and these are important tools to possess and carry on your person, and lots of reasons, as you've heard me say, as to why that's the case. If you are of age to carry a gun in the United States, you should be carrying a gun on your hip all of the time. Also, as you would expect, you know, everything is just based on knowledge and it's just based on education. The more that a person watches, for example, YouTube videos about learning to carry a gun and, and owning a gun and maintaining a gun and cleaning a gun and what gun is best for me and, you know, my size hand or what it is that I'm planning on carrying it for and so on and so forth. These are all kinds of questions that you can ask yourself and you can get on these video streaming platforms. And the number of shows that exist and the number of channels that exist that explain all of this is endless. It's just endless. I've watched people go from, even, again, some, own some of my own family members, they'll go from not owning a gun and not carrying a gun to watching YouTube channels, and now they carry guns all the time. They keep buying guns. I mean, they went from one end of the spectrum to the other. I don't see a need to carry a gun. And then they start watching these videos and learning about it, and they go, holy shit, I need to carry a gun. And then they start carrying a gun. And they're glad that they do. So that's just my quick little rant on that. I know that, again, the, these events are going to continue to ramp up. They continue to hit the mainstream media. But ladies and gentlemen, if you turn on a television, whatever's on your TV, you can't believe. You just can't believe it. Again, I wasn't there. Regarding the bank shooting, you know, they said he was a 23-year-old bank employee, uh, and then it shows him breaking into a house, or it shows police breaking into a house, and then th this particular house looks like it's not really in the nicest part of town. I'm saying, does he really live there, or or is this even the same house? So I immediately started asking questions, and then, of course, they said that he live-streamed it. I mean, who does that? Who live-streams a shooting? that they're personally engaging in. And if that's true, which I don't believe it is, then show us the footage. But they're not going to do that either. So 
I don't know. I don't trust any of it. I really don't. It's just more scare tactics, and it's designed again to actually convince people to never even buy a gun in the first place, which I think is remarkably pathetic, but that's something that is very prevalent, unfortunately. Okay, here's the next topic. Simone Gold, the pinata that keeps on giving. Uh, Renette Sunum, as you have heard me say, is covering this at length. And uh, just to provide a couple of updates, apparently one of the board members, a Sheriff Mack, withdrew approximately 350000 And I'll just read this. Again, this is from April 6th on Renette Sunum's Foghorn Express, where she ultimately has a 47-minute conversation with Joey Gilbert, who again was a lawyer who was hired by uh, Simone Gold to be on the board, and then ultimately ended up warning Simone Gold about the amount of money that she was spending and that her boyfriend was spending and told them to stop, and they didn't. They just kept spending copious amounts of money. But uh, let me just read the beginning of this very quickly. Burnett wrote the following. She says, you've heard all from AFLDS's Oversight Committee Chairman Kevin Jenkins. Now it's time to listen to an interview of the man in the middle of the AFLDS crisis, 2022 State of Nevada gubernatorial candidate and former CEO of AFLDS, Joey Gilbert. She says that he lays out the chronology of events and his perspective of the entire thing. Uh, let's see. And then it says Maricopa County, Arizona law enforcement has now visited Mac's home. Sheriff Mac, of course, also sat on the board. Also, Mac states that he went to them. He claims that the funds are safe in an AFLDS account that Gilbert and Mac had set up last year. However, upon hearing this, Gilbert discovered that not only did the account not reflect a $350,000 deposit, but the previous $30,000 that was originally in the AFLDS account had mysteriously dropped to $8,000. So, what Joey Gilbert basically describes is again, it's 47 minutes long, so I'm, I'm certainly not going to play it for you, but it, it is one hell of a story. If you actually believe that Dr. Simone Gold is in this for the right reasons, I assure you she is not. And you've heard me bring her up at length and in numerous examples as I continue to file this story because I find it fascinating, of course, given my immediate interaction with her, which was unpleasant to say the least. But it was beyond evident, again, from the perspective of Joey Gilbert, that initially she seemed like she was in it for all of the right reasons. And then once the money started flying in, they started spending it on things that they didn't need to spend it on. And again, a lot of it had to do with just personal spending, clothes, credit card accounts, automobiles, things of this nature that, that were completely unnecessary. Ultimately, uh, a number of individuals, including Gilbert himself, approached Simone Gold and warned her personally and said, you have to stop doing this. And she said that she would and then didn't. And then the bills continued to pile up of all of these monthly charges, uh, uh, you know, of the fifteen to $20,000 a month for clothes and food and, and all of this other stuff. I mean, it's just ridiculous. And again, a lot of that was being spent by her uh, alleged gay boyfriend. So there's that. But it's one hell of an interview, and again, there's no way that you, you walk away from it and walk away from Joey Gilbert talking about this and think to yourself that Simone Gold is a good person. She's not. She's a money grubber, and she's in it for the cash, 
And she continues, as he clearly states, uh, she continues to steal the AFLDS name, which she does not own. So she's engaging in trademark infringement, uh, among other things. She's not on the board. She's not the president, but she's still throwing the name around and the letterhead around and saying that she's the president of AFLDS and this, that, and the other, and that she never resigned and she's still a member of the company. None of this is true, but this is what she just continues to say. So again, head over to Renette Sunham's Foghorn Express dot substack dot com if you're interested in checking that out and uh yeah she's staying all over it which is great because this is going to get messy and even gilbert basically concludes and he says look he said i would have let this go a long time ago had simone gold just stopped doing what she was doing but she refuses to stop and then she spends her off time slandering people and uh and and going after them personally and making fun of them and you know, a bunch of other things in order to basically save her own backside as best she can. And and it's not going to work. If she's stealing money, then that's a crime. She's engaging in fraud. That's a crime. And I think it's only a matter of time before she finds herself in jail yet again. And as we know, like she's done in the past, she's going to continue to scream victim and play the victim. So she's a pathological liar, in my opinion, just based on the things that I've heard her say and the things that I've heard, you know watched her do. And there you go. That's my two cents on that. Okay. Moving on. Again, this is not uh this is not a subject that uh I really enjoy talking about, but I do want to get into this as briefly as I can, I guess. And it's a, you know, it's a bit of a rock and a hard place to some extent, I fully understand, but regarding the subject of of the trannies and trannies in sports and all of that, you you know my take on it. That I've always said that a lack of participation in walking away is really the thing to do so that uh, only the tranny is standing there by themselves attempting to play a game and represent a team. Of course, there's no I in team, and that can't happen logically anyway. So there's a lot of news out there right now, of course, and it's been building for quite some time regarding a, a swimmer from the University of Kentucky, Riley Gaines. And she's made the rounds in in typical sort of handler fashion. And I say handler because she clearly has an agent or people who are working on her behalf and in moving her around from place to place. So I want to run through a quick chronology of uh, you know her her whereabouts and what's going on. She, of course, swam against and apparently either tied or beat or lost to whatever it was. It was one of the three. The uh, the Leah Thomas dude, whose real name is William, of course, William Thomas, and uh, and apparently, of course, swims for the University of Pennsylvania. The, the point is, is that with Riley Gaines here, she's making the rounds. And again, she started off on a podcast describing a lot of this behind the scenes drama with either her and, and this Will Thomas dude swimming against one another and then either them tying or she won, but then she had to give the trophy to him because that was better for the image of whatever they were trying to accomplish and, and whatever it is. Uh, again, 
Long story short, you've heard me say that if they just stop participating, as uncomfortable as that is, of course, and they've they've worked super hard to swim in a pool and earn a medal and a scholarship and all of that, why should they have to quit? I fully understand that take, too. I mean, I get it. However, this is what happens when you give a tranny an inch. They will take a mile. They'll take a mile. And if you compete against them in these sports time after time, they're going to keep making ground. And as we can hopefully see now, that's not helping anybody. That's making everything worse. So the thing with Riley Gaines is, is that they've then found themselves magically on a, C, on a CPAC stage during the CPAC conference. And then they started telling their story all over again to oohs and ahs and, and gasps from the crowd and a thousand other things. And I'm saying to myself, yeah, we know. We know. We, we get it. You lost or you tied or you beat a tranny, and we should never be in this situation in the first place. We get it. We fully get it. I mean, who doesn't know this at this point? ESPN, for God's sakes, even ran an entire special about it, and they had this Will Thomas dude pretending to be a girl, and, and they were being recognized as being the athlete of the month or something like that for Women's you know, History Month or whatever the hell last month. Again, it's a colossal waste of time. And you can't reason with these people, and you certainly can't reason with the media apparatus that is supporting these people. These people are mentally ill. They're deranged. Uh, They should be in mental institutions, in, in my personal opinion. With that said, Riley Gaines isn't learning. And she's, and she's not learning that you can't reason with these people. You can have all the debates you want. You can tell the same story over and over and over again. We already get it. We get it. And now recently, of course, what happened is Riley Gaines found herself, I don't know how nor why, but found herself at a San Francisco State University lecture that she was apparently giving. And then she was attacked and, and mobbed by, uh, by trannies or by people who support trannies, screaming and yelling at her. And then she had to be escorted by police out of the room. And then she had to be hauled into a, a class, separate classroom and sit there for a number of hours while police guarded the room, while all these tranny supporters started screaming at her and whatever. And now she's suing the university for not protecting her and not allowing the event to take place and whatever else. Again, it bears repeating that you cannot reason with these people. You cannot get them in a room. You can't get these trannies and these trainee supporters in a room and change their minds. Because what you're doing is, is you're battling over 10 years, if not longer, could be 20, could be 30 or more years of neglect, abuse, and a number of other things. Let me give you a quick story of, of someone locally where I live, and this will, sh- I mean, this will show you the slippery slope of, of how easy it is to cling on to these fads. And I do call it a fad, but it's a mentally ill fad. I mean, some fads were like particular toys that kids would play with and, and you know, certain things that would show up and be very popular and then go away. This is a reoccurring mentally ill fad that constantly takes place. So let me mention this. I'll mention this just very quickly. I had a fourth grade teacher. She was my fourth grade teacher a long time ago. Miserable woman. She was just a miserable, horrible teacher. Not, not, not good. Thinks she's the cat's pajamas, I'm sure. Just a miserable person. 
Um, she's divorced at least twice. She has two kids. One of them, it, well, both kids were not highly thought of when they were in school and when they were uh, attending the same school that I attended. One of them was in my grade. He was, he was not highly thought of. Everybody was like, well, he's a jerk. He yells a lot. He's emotional. He's a wimp, you know, a thousand things. And he was a strange kid. And then she had a daughter. And her daughter was the athletic type and, and, and was always playing a sport and running around and on the track team and a thousand other things. Probably never gave herself as a young teenager the biological ability to even be a female. And, and I say that because there is a direct correlation between girls who play sports and their perceived sexuality as they age. I mean, I remember being a high school teacher and listening to some of these girls who played sports and they would brag about not having a menstrual cycle and how much they liked not having a menstrual cycle because of how frequently they exercised and how frequently they played sports. And I remember saying to myself, in fact, I said it to a few of them in class in front of everybody, I said, that's not good. That's not healthy. You're increasing your testosterone, which is very little, of course. Females have very little testosterone, but you're increasing that and you're suppressing your estrogen, which, of course, is delaying a menstrual cycle, if not eliminating it altogether. That's not a good thing. These are not, these are not good things. Anyway, with that said, back to the fourth grade teacher, this particular fourth grade teacher ended up getting divorced. The son ended up having a child out of wedlock. Uh, at least one, and uh, and then the daughter ended up being gay, moving to Boston, which is one of the largest you know gay cities in America, and 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 apparently deciding to be a lesbian, and now all of a sudden the mother is all about LGBTQ rights and LGBT this and alphabet soup that and this is their mission and this is their this is their role in life now that they're a retired teacher. And then they became like citizen of the year or something in the town where I live. It's, I mean, it's beyond pathetic. The point is, is that's the slippery slope. That's all it takes. All it takes is, is sometimes for these individuals who have been abused and neglected and, and mistreated throughout their lives to all cling on to something that they think that they can control. And it's, a, it's just a control mechanism. They feel comfortable controlling something when, in fact, what they don't understand is is everything that they are actually seeking to control is beyond degenerate, and it's, and it's destroying society, and it's destroying the lives of the very people who are associating with these kinds of agendas. You've heard me say it before that these agendas and, and the people who support them have no idea that they're actually supporting teenage suicide. You're, you're supporting teenage drug abuse. You're supporting genital mutilation. You're supporting uh, all of these things, even not just w when they're teenagers, but as they age and as they get older. Not to mention, it's all fake. It's all pretend. None of it's real. But when, when right is left and up is down for an individual, you cannot reason with that. They're too far gone. They're too far gone. It's like a child who watches the Smurfs, you know, begins watching the Smurfs cartoon, and then they live their entire life believing that Smurfs are real, 
And they're like, where are these little blue people with these white hats and their big white shoes? And, you know, th- this money-grubbing bad guy with a dog or a cat, rather, who's, who's trying to run around and chase us. Yes, I've seen the Smurfs, clearly, as you can tell. But the point is, is that if they believe that firmly, there's no reversing that. There's no reversing it. And if they do actually reverse it, which I know that there are cases where that's been the case, you know, thank God, I guess, but um, they're too far gone. They're just too far gone. They've either mutilated themselves, they've poisoned themselves to the point where, where you can't reverse it. And it's all because they're playing dress up and they're playing pretend. This is, of course, something I will never support. I'll never support this. In fact, we have to make fun of these people as much as we can because they're not well. Uh, they belong in a padded room, but you know that's that's another discussion for another time. Maybe who knows? Either way, I wanted to read this. This is the letter that the president of San Francisco State University released to the public regarding the incident uh, involving Riley Gaines. In fact, my my apologies. This is the vice president for student affairs and enrollment management, a Jamila Moore EDD. Let me read this because it's pathetic. Again, these are people you cannot reason with. San Francisco State University, it says, Dear SF State Community, have to throw that word in as much as humanly possible. It says, quote, Today, San Francisco State finds itself again at the center of a national discussion regarding freedom of speech and expression. Let me begin by saying clearly, the trans community is welcome and belongs at San Francisco State University. Further, our community fiercely believes in unity, connection, care, and compassion, and we value different ideas even when they are not our own. Well, that's not entirely true. San Francisco State is regularly noted as one of the most diverse campuses in the United States. This is what makes us Gators, and this is what makes us great. Diversity promotes critical discussions, new understandings, and enriches the academic experience. But we may also find ourselves exposed to divergent views and even views we find personally abhorrent. These encounters have sometimes led to uh, discord, anger, confrontation, and fear. We must meet this moment and unite with a shared value of learning. They said, thank you to our students who participated peacefully in Thursday's even- Thursday evening's event. It took tremendous bravery to stand in a challenging space. I am proud of the moments where we listened and asked insightful questions. I'm also proud of the moments where our students demonstrated the value of free speech and the right to protest p- peacefully. Rather, It then says, the, uh, these issues do not go away and these values are very much at our core. This feels difficult because it is difficult. As you reflect, process, and begin to heal, please remember that there are people, resources, and services available and ready to receive our Gator community, including faculty, staff members, coaches, and mentors who are here to support you. Campus resources are also available. The Equity and Community Inclusion Group, the Counseling and Psychological Services, and the Dean of Students' Office. The well-being of the SF State campus community remains our priority. Sincerely, 
Jamila Moore, EDD, Vice President for Student Affairs and Enrollment Management. You cannot reason with that. You can't. That person is as far gone as the people screaming at Riley Gaines. And again, it's not a popular angle to take, but I, I could care less about popularity. Riley Gaines has no business showing up at a San Francisco university attempting to change minds. My question is, is what is she actually thinking? Does she think that giving these speeches is somehow, again, going to change the people who are there, or they're going to come up to her at the end and say, gee, thanks, you know, I was going to cut my, uh, cut my genitals off tomorrow, but you've changed my mind. I mean, I, I don't know if that's actually happened or not. I'm inclined to think that that has not happened. But therein lies the problem. She's walking right into the belly of the beast. And again, I understand people would say, well, she's courageous, Sean. Leave her alone. She's trying to help people and she's courageous. I'd say she's borderline reckless at this point. But it wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if at some point she got a Daily Wire contract. And the Daily Wire hired her, hired her to cover sports or uh, cover, you know, the the tranny agenda all over again. Because again, in lockstep, just with Riley Gaines making the rounds, Matt Walsh from the Daily Wire is out there doing the same thing again. I mean, everybody's talking about this all over again, like you're actually going to change anybody's minds. It's not going to happen. It isn't going to happen. So since we can't kill them, and since we <laughs> Since we can't change their minds, what's the middle ground? The middle ground is we have to ostracize these people. It's that simple. Make fun of them and ostracize them. And if you don't want to make fun of them, that's fine. You don't have to. Just ostracize them. Put them on an island by themselves metaphorically. If you're actually going to participate in a sport and you know that there's a tranny you're going to be playing against, walk off the field of play. Doesn't matter what sport it is, pick one. I could care less. Walk away. Stop participating. This is the biggest problem. If you ostracize these people, they have nowhere to go then. Nowhere to go. Again, you know, it, it uh it's temple rubbing madness because at the same time, you've got all of these individuals saying, Well, where's the NCAA? Why isn't the NCAA helping me? You know, I, I shouldn't I shouldn't have to swim against a tranny or play basketball against a tranny. Why is the NCAA doing this? I mean, let's face it. Brittany Griner, who played for Baylor on the girls' team, is a dude. So that entire time that Brittany Griner was playing basketball and won a championship for Baylor, I think they won a championship, there was a guy playing on their team. Michelle Obama is a man. There are men all around us who pretend to be women. They've already engaged in these sports before and, and in you know particular uh, professions, so to speak, or certain titles that they have. The list is endless, and it's not going away. It isn't going away, which, again, is all the more reason why these people have to be ostracized, and that's what has to happen. Stop playing the bread and circus, because the bread and circus is not only the distraction, it's a distraction times 12. Because now you have trannies playing in the bread and circus, and we're talking about that, and that's consuming our time. Again, these are you know this is a conversation I don't like having because it's exhausting. 
I'm already tired, but it's not going to get any better. And that leads me to this. And this is lengthy, so bear with me. But uh, I have to read this because this is coming directly from the United States Department of Education. This was from April 6th last week, and they are doubling down with their Title IX regulations on students' eligibility for athletic teams. It's going to get worse here. It's just going to get worse. Here's the bright side, though, before I read this giant document. The bright side to this is that since we know that Donald Trump is the legal president of the United States and Joe Biden is not, and all of this debating that has gone on about eliminating the FBI and the CIA and the Department of Education and the IRS and the DOJ and blah, blah, blah. All of the debates about getting rid of these three-letter agencies, what if these three-letter agencies are going to cease to exist because they've all been engaging in this criminal activity under a fake president? What if Donald Trump comes back into office, wins in 2024, which again would mean that the White Hats would have control of the voting machines and it would be undeniable? Because again, to catch Joe Biden and, and these fake administrations and these fake, uh, these fake politicians and all of the people who are the head of these agencies, to catch them all and to bring down the agencies, you would have to have a fake administration in charge an installed in administration in charge, a criminal administration in charge. Because then by definition, you're talking about all of these three-letter agencies being criminally minded and associated with crime. So yeah, they're going to carry out their degeneracy and, and their you know specific tactics that they're going to carry out. But once someone new comes into office, you can abolish them because they've all broken the law. All of them. So I would say keep that in mind going forward as a potential silver lining here, that in 2024, uh, if not sooner, or after the inauguration in 2025, that all of these agencies will cease to exist with the stroke of a pen, and it will be legally backed and legally sound because they have associated with a criminal organization, i.e. the Biden administration, which, as we know, was not duly elected. So there you go. Just something to keep in mind. Okay, United States Department of Education. It is titled, Fact Sheet, U.S. Department of Education's Proposed Change to its Title IX Regulations on Students' Eligibility for Athletic Teams. If you think things are gay now, ladies and gentlemen, they're about to get a whole lot gayer. It says the following, quote, this is a press release from their press office again, April 6th of this year. It says, deep breath, Title IX was signed into law more than 50 years ago. It has enabled tremendous strides in educational opportunity free from sex discrimination, including in athletics, for millions of students across the country. One quick injection here. Title IX eliminated lots and I mean lots, of male sports, eliminated them. Colleges and universities, high schools, you name it, they all had lots of male sports. And they had female sports too already. But Title IX rolled around, and then they were like, well, now we have to have equal. So they started eliminating endless male sports to then only replace it with the same sport, but just for females. 
So I want people to understand, again, in my personal opinion, I've always thought that Title IX is a bit strange. Not a huge sports fan, as as you've probably figured out, but at the same time, um, you know, it's it's legislation that was always deemed to be in the best interest of fairness, and yet it has never really been fair, and certainly not now, with uh, people pretending to be the opposite sex, and now they get to play too. It says the following. Today, the U.S. Department of Education is releasing a notice of proposed rulemaking, NPRM, on athletic eligibility under Title IX to advance Title IX's longstanding goal of ensuring equal opportunity in athletics. During the two years of outreach to stakeholders to develop this proposed rule, the department heard repeatedly that many schools, students, parents, and coaches face uncertainty about when and how transgender students can participate in school sports, particularly because some states have chosen to adopt new laws and policies on athletics participation that target transgender students. No, they don't target them. They protect people from them. It says the NPRM, if adopted as a final rule, would provide much-needed clarity for students, parents, and coaches. It says participation in school athletics is an important component of education and provides valuable physical, social, academic, and mental health benefits to students. That's debatable. Uh, The proposed rule affirms that students benefit from the chance to join a school sports team to learn about teamwork, leadership, and physical fitness. That's also debatable. The proposed rule would would establish that policies violate Title IX when they categorically ban transgender students from participating on sports teams consistent with their gender identity just because of who they are. No. See right there. Because of who they are. Who they are is the sex that they were born with and born as. That's who they are. Their identity is not who they are. It says the proposed rule also recognizes that in some instances, particularly in competitive high school and college athletic environments, some schools may adopt policies that limit transgender students' participation. The proposed rule would provide schools with a framework for developing eligibility criteria that protects students from being denied equal athletic opportunity while giving schools the flexibility to develop their own participation policies. Ladies and gentlemen, the bridge has been crossed here. It's been crossed. We are not going back to the way that things were. The only way forward is for states to continue to ban any athletics or any athletes, quote-unquote, from participating against or even with other transsexuals and, and weirdos like this. It will actually create an interstate fight in an intercollegiate fight and an inter-high school sports fight that will get very, very, very messy. You've heard me say, I mean, basically, what we're watching here is almost the destruction of the Department of Education from within, which, of course, is the plot and the plight, rather, of the... uh, of the Marxist. That's exactly what they do. They want everybody to be as miserable as they are 
not ignoring the fact that maintaining the structure for which has always existed has to crumble to the ground. So they're destroying it with their own hand, which again, I'm fine with, but this is going to create so much turmoil and so much uh, debate and fight and arguing that's really unnecessary that again, the homeschooling families is just laughing their tails off right now. The, The individuals that are that are learning online in online collegiate environments. These people are laughing their tails off, and rightfully so. But again, this is much like what I've said in the past about the elimination of the Department of Education, that when you eliminate it, and when it's eliminated, you're going to have a local fight that's going to get wild and get crazy. Some schools are going to go full gay, pedal to the floor as fast as they can, and other schools are going to say, wait a minute, there's no more Department of Education now. Maybe we have a little bit more control now, and we have more say as to what we can do, and maybe we should get back to the basics. Maybe we should allow for free thinking and inquiry and investigation and things of that nature and, and do away with all of this degeneracy. There might be those schools that exist too, and God willing, that will be the case. Um, either way, here we go. It says uh, the proposed rule would provide schools with a framework. I already said that. Okay, here we go. It says, quote, This is probably a quote from, oh, it is, from Education Secretary Miguel Cardona. Quote, every student should be able to have the full experience of attending school in America, including participating in athletics free from discrimination. I'm going to stop the quote there real quick. The transgender agenda is discrimination. If it isn't then why don't you just have a bunch of trannies playing on a team together? How about that? If you're so wrapped up in the tranny scene, why don't you just have a team of trannies playing against another team of trannies? It would look really weird, wouldn't it? I mean, you'd you'd have to watch at least one, wouldn't you? (laughs) It would look so weird. It would look beyond strange. Why wouldn't you want to watch that at least once? I mean, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm at a loss. I'm at a loss here. He continued uh, with this insanity, and he said, "Being on a sports team is an important part of the school experience for students of all ages." Said U.S. Secretary of Education Miguel Cardona. "Quote: Beyond all the benefits to physical and mental health, yes, that's right." Because we're watching all the benefits play out right now, aren't we? Playing on a team teaches students how to work hard, get along with others, believe in themselves, and build healthy habits that last a lifetime. Today's proposed rule is designed to support Title IX's protection for equal athletics opportunity. We welcome and encourage public comments on the proposed regulation and will continue working to ensure Title IX's effective protection for all students, unquote. Again, why wouldn't you just have a tranny league? I mean, if you want to get crazy with it, you can call it the American Collegiate Tranny Association. And it can just be trannies who are playing against each other. Why not just do that? Because the next thing that's going to occur is it's going to be ageism. What if an elderly person or an older male 
says to themselves, well, I identify as a 18 to 21-year-old female, so now I'm going to compete against 18 to 20-year-old or 21-year-old females, even though I'm a 40 or 50-year-old some-odd male in reality. There's, there's no end to the insanity here. There's no end to the absolutely insane angles that can be played out on how this will all implode. Again, the homeschooling family is laughing their tails off because we're watching these degenerate criminal organizations fight one another over something that doesn't even exist. Not to mention, of course, the entire thing is based on what they believe to be equality, that it's about not discriminating against anyone, when in fact, that's all that they're doing. They're discriminating against people. If you have a man weightlifting against females in a female weightlifting contest, who's going to win that contest? Nine times out of ten. Let me read the summary here, because again, this document is, is very long, and I don't really want to read the whole thing. Let me just read the bullet points here, or the main highlights. Summary of the proposed rule. It says, the proposed rule builds upon long-standing Title IX rules that protect equal athletic opportunities for women and girls. Yes, women and girls. Women and girls, not pretend women and girls. The next uh, summary bullet point is the proposed regulation supports Title IX's non-discrimination requirement while providing flexibility for schools to achieve important educational objectives through their athletic program. No, it discriminates against lots of people. It discriminates against all of the people who aren't crazy. The next bullet point says the proposed regulation would recognize that differences in grade and education level, level of competition, and sports must be taken into account for any eligibility criteria that would restrict transgender students from participating on teams consistent with their gender identity. And the floodgates are open, just like that. It says schools would have to take into account the following considerations when developing a policy for participation. The proposed regulation recognizes that there are differences among students and school sports teams depending on grade and education level. How about genitalia? To hell with grade and education, and I love how they, descri- or they, they, they specify that, that, that students in certain grades or education level can't compete against one another, you know, like uh, freshman, uh, junior varsity, varsity, etc., etc. But not so when it comes to genitalia. That's, uh, you know, that's off the board, apparently. It says the proposed regulation would recognize that school athletic teams vary in the level of competition they offer. Like I said, start start your own tranny league then. If you If you think you have that many trannies in a school, Get them all together and let's have tranny kickball. Wouldn't that be funny? Or tranny, uh, tranny dodgeball even. That'd be even funnier. The proposed regulation would recognize that school athletic teams vary in the level of competition they offer. I think I already said that. Uh, proposed regulation would recognize the types of sports offered. I said that. It says the proposed regulation would recognize the importance of minimizing harms to students whose participation on teams 
consistent with their gender identity would be limited or denied. Well, think of all the uh, identities that you're limiting and denying, and they're not identities, they're biological facts. That's who you're eliminating and limiting and denying. You're denying the right of a girl to compete against another biological girl. It, it absolutely blows me away, which again, quick side note here. In fact, I'm, I'm really done with the document. Yeah, I'm done. The document's done. You can check that out, by the way, over on the U.S. Department of Education, and it's titled Fact Sheet, U.S. Department's, uh, U.S. Department of Education's Proposed Change to its Title IX Regulation on Students' Eligibility for Athletic Teams. You probably heard that the Supreme Court last week ruled in favor of a tranny, uh, a kid, either in a middle school or a high school in West Virginia who was playing on their team and uh, basically said that that kid gets to continue to play on that team. This is a problem. This is a serious problem. Again, if, if people had their heads about them and their thinking caps on, they would walk away from that team. And they'd say, we don't want to be on a team with a tranny. We don't want a dude dressing in a girl's locker room, uh, pretending to be a girl when they're not. Locker rooms aside, I mean, that's an abomination all on their own. But just the general competition aspect, the girls on the girl team who are biological girls have got to walk away. They have to walk away. Stop playing these games, and if a tranny shows up to participate in the tryouts or whatever, walk away. Let it be a one-person team and see how well that works. Let's see if, if on a baseball field, a tranny can play nine positions at once. I mean, Bugs Bunny could play all nine positions at once in the famous Bugs Bunny baseball cartoon, but I don't think a tranny can, do you? I don't think so. Walk away. And as you've heard me say more in depth, walk away and watch what happens with the athletic director, the principal of the school, the superintendent, the school board, the parents. All hell would break loose. All hell would break loose. And not a single thing, not, not any of it, has anything to do with learning the truth about anything. It has nothing to do with the false curriculum that gets taught in school, it has nothing to do with the lies and the brainwashing that's perpetuated on society, it has nothing to do with that. It's all a distraction to normalize this insanity. But the only way to eliminate it, ladies and gentlemen, because we can't kill them, and you know, they're human beings as deranged as they are, the only way to eliminate it is to stop participating. Because what Title IX can't do is Title IX can't sue somebody for not participating. You can't get sued for walking away. Well, why did all those students walk off of that team? Because a tranny showed up. Well, that's discrimination. No, it isn't. Maybe they just don't want to play anymore. Maybe they just don't want to play the game anymore. Maybe they all just decided to quit that day. You can't prove that they're all walking away because there's a tranny on the team, and even if there was, who cares? You can't sue them for discrimination anyway because they're not breaking the law. They just don't want to play against a tranny or with a tranny. I'm telling you, 
This is what the Leah Thomases, I'm sorry, Leah Thomas, uh, the Riley Gaineses rather, this is what the Riley Gaineses have got to be talking about. Riley Gaines has to be out there and saying, boycott the NCAA. She has to be out there and, sa- and saying what I'm saying. If you're going to participate in a, in a sporting event and you come face to face with a tranny that you have to compete against, walk away. It's that simple. Leah Thomas wouldn't have won the race swimming by himself. Old Willie, old Billy Thomas, wouldn't have gotten a trophy. Because the very definition of competition means you have to compete. Well, what are you competing against? You're competing against other people. You can't compete in a pool by yourself against no one. (laughs) It's so embarrassing. (laughs) I can't even believe I'm here having this conversation. If you'd have told me I'd have been having this conversation back when I was a kid, I'd have told you you were crazy. Ridiculous. Like I said, Supreme Court declined the West Virginia's request to enforce a transgender athlete ban. Again, West Virginia was trying to get rid of them and trying to keep them from participating in uh, these cross-sex sports. And the Supreme Court said, "Sorry, they get to f- they get to finish they get to finish the you know finish the league or or finish the season or whatever the hell." I'm telling you. It's a, it's a slippery, disgusting slope that isn't going to get better. It's just not. Here's one from Fox News. Again, can't make this up. School district to hear from public after superintendent candidate lost job for greeting two females as ladies. Vito Perone's use of ladies. Quote, unquote. Salutation in email to East Hampton School Committee interpreted as a microaggression. A school district in Massachusetts will host its first public meeting Monday since a superintendent candidate reportedly lost his job offer uh, for uh, for addressing female colleagues as ladies. Hmm. Dr. Vito Perone previously told the Daily Hampshire Gazette that he was offered the position as the head of the East Hampton, East Hampton schools on March 23rd, but later notified that was later notified that the job had been withdrawn over his choice of salutation in an email to negotiate his salary with, with school committee chair Cynthia Kwasinski and executive assistant Suzanne Colby, both female. Kwasinski reportedly interpreted his ladies' greeting as a microaggression, according to the newspaper. Kwasinski later told the Gazette that most of her fellow committee members believed it was extremely unprofessional and inappropriate of Perone to address the chairperson with a familiarity that he had not earned. He offered him the job. So... He says, thank you, ladies, or something along those lines, and you get all upset about it. These are deranged people, ladies and gentlemen. They cannot be reasoned with. You cannot bargain with these people. They are nuts. They're nuts. So in conclusion, I'll say this regarding this particular subject. They have to be ostracized. That's it. We can't eliminate them. We'll go to jail. We don't, we don't want to do that. And we can't participate with them either, can we? 
Because if we do that, we perpetuate the thing that they want us to perpetuate and that they want perpetuated, which means what's the middle road then? If, that's, if those are the two ends of the spectrum, that we accept everything that they want and we play along with them or we kill them, which, which one, you know, I mean, what's the best option? It's, it's neither of those. We can't do either one of those things and we don't want to. The middle road is, is we ostracize them. The middle road is, is we stop participating in the same things that they participate in. Make them the only ones playing their stupid little game. Allow them to be the only ones playing pretend. And then laugh at them from a distance if you want. But vote with your feet. If the NCAA, which is a criminal organization and has been for a very long time, and is going to continue to engage in this slippery slope, and they've already gotten away with it, again, Brittany Griner, who, whose real name is Brad, I think, um, that right there sh- should be all that you need to know about how far these criminal organizations will go. They will allow this to happen without you knowing. And they will trick you to your face and get you to believe that you are watching a female play a sport when you are not. Again, the Riley Gaineses of the world have got to only start saying one thing, one thing, and it's stop participating in these sports if even the discussion of a tranny shows up. Look the coach in the face and say, if a tranny shows up, we're all gone. And you're just going to have one tranny to coach. And how's that season going to look? And then, again, they'll think you're bluffing. So make them call your bluff. Allow that to happen, and then when the tranny shows up, walk away. We don't want to play anymore. We're done. Back to math class. And then that's it. Go pick up a book. Read a book. Go for a walk. Play with a dog. Do something else with your time. Stop wasting your time playing a game with a tranny. Because all you're doing is taking the attention away from you logically and giving it to a mentally ill human being. That's it. Walk away. Ostracize them. That is the way forward, in my humble opinion. Okay. Jab stuff. I got a few things here. I want to revisit something from the past you may recall. A listener of the show led me onto this thread, which I've read from a long time ago, but I want to revisit it specifically for one reason here. Um, over on the Donald.win, or Patriots.win, rather, an individual has a died suddenly thread consistently going of tweets where people will, again, it's a compilation of an individual basically boasting about receiving the jabs, and then they will either talk about how they are now sick or how they have died. The reason I'm bringing this up is for a rather important reason, which has to do with the timeline of the jabs. You've heard me say that Poison is poison any way you slice it, and poison has a different reaction in every person at a different time and a different severity. And, uh, and, and that can't, the importance of that can't be diminished. So th- the timing of all of these is important, not to mention, of course, the number of shots, which we don't necessarily know how many shots these people take unless they boast about it. But there's one particular tweet here from an Anthony Jenkins at pitfan082. 
And this was from April 13th of 2021. Anthony said, quote, got my COVID-19 vaccine shot yesterday. My arm is really sore right now. And that was his post at 4.04 in the morning on April 13th of 2021. And then below that are, uh, are three posts. And the first one says, and this is all from, let's see, this is all from 2023 now. This is from March of 2023. Another person responds and says, hey, I'm in need of some assistance. We have a mutual friend, Anthony Jenkins. We haven't heard from him since 3-24-23, March 24th of this year. And he usually reaches out to us once a week, if not more, and he has not. We are growing increasingly concerned about his well-being. Another person replies and says, I got a message back that said it was from his mother and that Anthony passed away March 24th. Person says, what? Question mark, exclamation point. Then they said, another person said, my goodness, are you serious? Do we know what happened? Oh my goodness. And then another person, that same person previously replied to that person and said, the message said cardiac arrest, but it's just so strange. Yes, it's, it's very strange, isn't it? Very strange that people are dying of heart attacks years after taking their first shot. I mean, we're talking two years after the fact. So before I read into some more jab-related things, I just wanted to bring that up, that you know th that's an unfortunate part of poisoning. And, and one of the things that's taking place here is that just because we may know people who are jabbed and they are seemingly okay, even though maybe they've gotten sick a few times since receiving the jabs. Ladies and gentlemen, unfortunately, we, we still have people who are dying years after receiving their first shot and dying of cardiac arrest, I might add. So, yeah, prepare yourselves for that, I suppose, if, you, if one can. But that is certainly something that is continuing to happen. And I have a feeling that that's not going to stop. You know, you're going to see posts from 2024 and 2025 and 2026 where they're going to say, again, back in 2020 or 2021, they got their first and second shot. But now they're dead years and years and years after the fact. So, yeah, it's immediate with some, as we know, and, uh, and it's not so immediate with others. I wanted to mention this too. Because Stu Peters has been bringing this up with more regularity, and, and it deserves a mention. There's more people, of course, describing now how there's no messenger RNA, zero messenger RNA inside of these shots. My, my take on this is, is the following. Who cares? It does not matter if there's messenger RNA in it or not. It's all poison. Messenger RNA, if it is in the shots, it's poison. If it's not in the shots, what is in the shots is still poison. Stu Peters had a guy on that said he's examined 3,400 vials from all four brands of, vac of, of these, they're not vaccines, of these bioweapons from these four companies, and they allegedly have not found any messenger RNA in them, and this is somehow a debate. I really don't care. Again, if there's no messenger RNA in it, it doesn't matter because they still list all of the things that they find in it. The self-forming nanoparticle technology, the aluminum, I'm sure there's formaldehyde and the polysorbates like there are with, uh, 
with flu shots and every other shot, along with a whole host of other things. But whether messenger RNA is in it or isn't in it, I, I think is almost irrelevant. So, yeah, it's an Occam's razor argument for me. The truthful answer lies in the explanation that requires the least amount of assumptions. Is it poison? Yes. Is it killing people? Yes. Well, then that's it. Again, the real issue for me, and it's one that Stu Peters consistently brings up, has to do with the sheriffs. Why are the sheriffs not investigating this? Why aren't there more sheriffs investigating this? And, I, and I've written about that at length, again, even years ago, back in 2021, 2022. It, it, it's a matter of, is the sheriff awake? Is the sheriff jabbed? Does the sheriff educate themselves consistently about what's going on in society? And unfortunately, by and large, they do not. They're a nine-to-fiver. They're paying attention to local local crime, break-ins, murders, uh, a drug deal, things of that nature. They're not putting their focus on government agencies. And we know that most of them are Masons. But even so, if they're not high-degree Masons and, and they don't know what's going on, they still have a responsibility to be paying attention to what's happening at the societal level. The same is true with prosecutors and county prosecutors, as you've heard me bring up. Me personally, as you've heard me say, I've exhausted these avenues where I live. I didn't get anywhere. I got nowhere. I've sent the emails. I've sent the emails to county commissioners about the jabs in 5G. I've sent the emails to state representatives about the jabs in 5G. I've sent the sheriff's office emails about the jabs in 5G. I've, I've had a conversation with uh, a county prosecutor over the phone regarding the masks and the jabs. According to them, it's a debate. According to that guy, it was a debate. And you can't have a debate in a, uh, in a courtroom, he said. You don't want to have a debate in front of a jury. You, you want to talk about crimes. And I was like, it is a crime. He's like, well, that's a debate. That's a political debate. No, it isn't. See, this is the disconnect. This is the problem. This is why it's so corrupt. It's corrupt because of brainwashing. The brainwashing is, is the real issue here. So let me get to this too. This comes from the Defender, uh, childrenshealthdefense.org from April 10th. The World Vaccine Congress, a report from the belly of the beast. It says Dr. Madhava Seti and Dr. Elizabeth Mumper attended last week's World Vaccine Congress in Washington, D.C., where they observed that the more than 3,100 people mostly from the pharma and biotech industries and regulatory affairs who attended the event, were highly focused on converting the vaccine hesitant. Even to this day, this is the enemy's focus. These brainwashed goons, who are either not jabbed and pretending to be, single, double, triple, or quadruple jabbed, and magically walking around still alive, they're still focused on people like us who are not jabbed. Which again, what is it that they're trying to do to us? What is it that they're going to try to do to get us jabbed? We know they're ramping up the propaganda. We know that they're going to ramp up the messaging, make it unavoidable as much as we can. And again, speaking of ostracizing people, we saw how they tried to ostracize us. 
that we are the problem, that it's a pandemic of the unvaccinated. Well, that didn't work out, did it? So keep in mind that it's not just the WHO, that it's a lot of these groups that are getting together and they're doing whatever they can to get the messaging the same so that they can continue to try to ostracize those of us that are not jabbed. And that's going to be an ongoing fight that continues. Let me read this and bring this to your attention very quickly. This is from drugstorenews.com. It's titled, FDA Advisory Committee Votes in Support of Pfizer's Paxlovid. The committee voted 16 to 1 that available data support uh, support the safety, rather, and effectiveness, according to them, of Paxlovid for treating mild to moderate COVID-19 in adult patients at risk for progression of severe illness. No. Paxlovid is remdesivir, mixed in with a few other things and renamed a few other things. Again, I've written about Paxlovid on the, uh, on the substack there. Th- this is an old story regarding Paxlovid, so they're approving it. They're moving forward with it. They're going to try to make it more and more available, in particular to those who are jabbed and continue to get sick. They're the ones that are going to continue to believe this nonsense and take this nonsense. And, uh, Yeah, it's not going to work out for them. There is some good news, however. Apparently, Australia has eliminated the AstraZeneca jab while forcing all the other jabs uh, tenfold, to say the least. And, uh, you know, I mean, that's both good and bad, but at least they got rid of the AstraZeneca poison. So now they're down to at least three. This is from Gateway Pundit. It's titled, Swiss government temporarily halts vaccinations against COVID-19, including for high-risk individuals. So the Swiss government's done away with it completely, apparently. That's good. Here's what I want to do now. I want to end with this. This was a cancer protocol, and anytime I come across an anti or or a, a killing cancer protocol, in particular for things that you can just purchase without a prescription. I'm, I'm all about it, and I'm very fascinated by things like this. And you'll, you'll recognize a lot of these particular substances because I've brought them up here on the show, but I want to read through this, and then I will uh, link a description below to where you can acquire this particular uh, PDF document, and I'll put that in, in the description to this episode. But... Um, Let me see here. So, well, it just says this. It says, this cancer protocol was posted by a guy named Adam Gartner, who wrote on a substack called Very Virology. He goes into depth about the microbiology, but this is the gist of his cancer protocol with four things. And then it says thoughts, cancer protocol, or anti-cancer protocol. There's four four bullet points here and then the actual list of what you should take over the course of a 20-day period. Um, it says, number one, ivermectin binds to the HSP90 protein to prevent the stabilization of mutant checkpoint and cascade transduction proteins, particularly PI, or I think it's P13K, not entirely sure, Reduces TAM anti-aprototic, if I'm saying that right, probably not, signaling and upregulates the P53 tumor suppressor expression. Number two, so basically number one, ivermectin. Number two, this involves the use of fenbendazole. There we go. It's the correct pronunciation, fenbendazole. 
It modulates the MAPK pathway, destabilizes microtubulars, inhibits glycosidic metabolism, if I'm saying that right, probably not, inhibits oxidative phosphorylation, no chance, and reduces anti-whatever, blah, blah, expression feedback loop, fenbendazole. And again, you can acquire that uh, fenben on um, Amazon. And there's two sets of milligrams, which I recommend. In fact, when I read through this daily treatment protocol here in just a second, this 20-day treatment here, you'll notice that fenbendazole is, is available in 222 milligram doses and 444. And that's not an accident because, again, it's going to depend on your weight. And, uh, well, I, th I think it's dependent on weight. But at least it says here, uh, 1,000 milligrams orally per day of fenbendazole. So keep that in mind again when it comes to the milligram stuff. In particular, again, if you end up with cancer or somebody you know has, uh, has cancer. The third ingredient here, it says, is sodium bicarbonate. Yeah, sodium bicarbonate. There we go. Induces metabolic stress in cancer cells via alkalization of the cystosolic tumor environment. So sodium bicarbonate. And number four, ascorbic acid or vitamin C. Induces oxidative stress in cancer cells and triggers the production of cytokines. I've also heard that liposomal vitamin C is the best vitamin C to take as a supplement uh, because it activates a little bit quicker, I guess. Anyway, here's the 20-day treatment. It's right here. Uh, day one, ivermectin, one milligram per, per kilogram orally. So what you can do is, is you can bounce over to covid19criticalcare.com on the FLCCC Alliance Protocol. And on that website, you got to bounce around a little bit to find it, but you'll find the breakdown uh, based on weight distribution in kilograms and pounds. And they, of course, transfer it over to pounds. But either way, um, there's that regarding the use of ivermectin. And, and again, if you have ivermectin, I highly recommend having that, uh, that weight distribution broken down. But either way, it says for ivermectin on day one, one milligram per kilogram orally, fenbendazole. 1,000 milligrams orally, sodium bicarbonate, one teaspoon dissolved in one quart of water twice a day. And that's day one. Now, of course, there's lots of things that you'd want to stay away from if, you, uh, if a person had cancer and you're, and you're taking this. You want to stay away from sugars as much as, as, much as you can. Uh, you don't want to eat junk food and anything like that. But, you know, just keep your diet, fruits and vegetables, maybe the occasional piece of meat, things of that nature. Uh, number two, ascorbic acid, or I'm sorry, number two, this is day two. They have you taking ascorbic acid, vitamin C, 500, or I'm sorry, 50 milligrams per kilogram orally, two doses, eight hours apart, or 20 grams intravenous once. Uh, it says day three, ivermectin, same as day one, fenbendazole, same as day one, and the sodium bicarbonate, same as day one. In fact, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. Instead of reading through all 20 days and putting everybody to sleep, if you're not already asleep, I'm just going to link this in the uh, description below in a PDF. 
and you can check this out. What is cool is that by the time you get down to day 12, you're just taking sodium bicarbonate, one teaspoon dissolved in one quart of water twice a day, and you do that all the way to day 20, where it says check progress, significant reduction, or complete elimination of tumor mass should have occurred by this time. And then the article wraps up and it says, that's it. Within 20 days, the immune system will have had quite significant time to recognize the cancerous neopeptides, develop a strong T-cell response, and destroy or begin to destroy the tumor mass. If reduction in tumor mass is only partial, consider a biopsy to determine the relevant features of the remaining cancer cells and appropriate further actions. Subsequently, consider modifying environmental or lifestyle factors which may have contributed to the development in the cancer in the first place to help prevent a reoccurrence, unquote. And there you go. Again, not a medical doctor, but at this point, why not? You've heard me say it. We have to be our own doctors. We have to do our own research on this kind of stuff. And again, you can acquire ivermectin at ivermectin.com for you know, I mean, it's not too expensive, a couple hundred dollars for a hundred pills um, at about 12 milligrams a pill. And fenbendazole is, you know, approximately the same, 90 pills at, uh, what is it, 222 milligrams for maybe 80 bucks. And then the more milligrams it goes up, the, the more expensive it is. Sodium bicarbonate, which is baking soda, essentially. But it's going to depend on the kind of baking soda you use, I think. So certainly try to find some of the more uh, medically sound ones. There's sodium bicarbonate, by the way, and, and capsules and tablets all on Amazon also. My recommendation is check that out too if you're interested. And of course, liposomal vitamin C. And there you go. That's, this is one person's take, one person's opinion. And it's certainly something for our records. Again, this is a perfect example of something to archive offline and, uh, and keep it in a folder on an external hard drive. So other than that, ladies and gentlemen, I'll catch you on Friday. Talk then. Peace. Thank you for listening to American Education FM. Make sure and check out AmericanEducationFM.com for more information. Take care and God bless.